Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we work to end the stigma of failure in an industry designed for you to fail. Hey, welcome to Life After MLM's Lula Rich companion series, Lula Bitch, a place you can come to find all the tea and everything that was left on the cutting room floor. You're about to hear the personal accounts of the people affected by the MLM LuLaRoe. These stories are our own personal opinions, accounts, and allegations of our experiences within the cult. Some stories may be triggering. Please listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. I am really excited for this episode. This is part of this series that we are doing, uh, and I would love to introduce to you my friend, Daryl Trujillo. Hi, Daryl. Hi, Roberta. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, So for those of you who don't know who you are, um, please introduce yourself, and we'll go from there. All right. Um, my name is Daryl Trujillo. I am a former LuLaRoe home office uh, employee. I worked in the retailer services department, um, primarily doing emails, but I, you know, I worked at company events too, um, a few, three of them to be precise. And um, this is my story and the story of those of us that worked in the home office and had to suffer with the consequences of the decisions of Mark and Deanne. Awesome. So, um, Let's first talk about how you even heard about LuLaRoe and how you even went on that job interview. Okay. So at the time, I was working part-time retail at uh, Steve Madden out of the Cabazon uh, Palm Springs location. And I was looking, you know, I, was, I was looking, you know, I was in my mid-20s, I was looking for a big boy job and, you know, poking around Craigslist one day and I saw an ad for, you know, customer service and data entry. So I, I cut and pasted my resume in there. And um, the head of HR at the time, Elatus, gave me a call. It's like, hey, we like you. We want, want to bring you in for an interview. And so I went in for the interview. Um, one of the more interesting interview processes I do, I want to say that I did go through and I've gone through in corporate, you know, retail and corporate jobs. Um, you know, you had your regular, you know, question part and answer part with HR. And then, then they had you do the, like the color test which I'd never heard of before. Oh my God. The color lenses. Mm-hmm. They made you do the color lenses to interview for LuLaRoe. Jesus. Yep. <laughs> okay. Continue. Oh yeah. that And I remember leaving the interview and thinking, getting into the truck and getting onto the freeway, going home. And I'm thinking to myself, color lenses. I've never had to do that for a job interview. And at the time, I didn't even have a clue what they were. Um, So let's see, that that was on a Tuesday, I would say. The latest, and HR called back on a Friday. I was scorekeeping high school basketball at the time. I was just getting out of the shower because my team had an away game that night. I literally had the towel wrapped around with one hand, and I was holding the phone with the other And as the latest was offering me my job. And here, and you know, Spent a year and a half there, and here we are. Wow. (laughs) So, 
Um, what was it like about this job that made you say yes? Was it just you were looking for a job and they were offering it? Or was there anything specific about it that made you think like this was a really good environment for you to be in? Not really. I mean, I didn't, honestly, I didn't have a clue what I was dealing with until I got in on the inside. And I like challenges. I, I mean, uh, you know, opening your own store from the ground up, from building to opening week and, you know, seeing it through the first year and a half, that's a challenge in and of itself. And so I thought, you know, I've been the kind of person all my career who likes a challenge, whether it's, you know, athletically or in the, the retail world or whatever I'm doing, I like to be challenged. And I thought, you know, startup, you know, just getting in on the ground floor, this could be a you know, good opportunity. Little did I know what I was in for. Right. I feel like most of us feel that way when you were like, oh, I wasn't really sure what I was getting into. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, like that's <laughs> some pretty good foreshadowing, I think, for everybody involved in this company. So um, let's see. Okay, Daryl, I want you to tell me what it was like working there for like the first month, like when it, when it was good in the very beginning. Tell me what it was like working for LuLaRoe in the home office. Oh, the good was good. I mean, they were, you know, we, we'd have donuts in the morning when you'd come in at 6 a.m., um, coffee. Well, not really. No, we didn't have coffee, but donuts in the morning with the 6 a.m. group. Um, it's just a totally different vibe. That first month we were all there, we we're just trying to le learn everything and nothing had gone wrong at that point. So it was like easy to come to work and, you know, chat with people and people were generally happy and Nobody, you know, came in with like that scowl, like I don't want to be here type attitude. And and then we got to the first mommy and me launch and things very, very quickly soured. Was that the 2016 mommy and me launch? The one yes. with all the see-through polka dots? Uh, that sounds about right. I just remember, <laughs> I remember that afternoon, I was almost ready to go home for the day. And we started getting messages like, Hey, something's going on with mommy and me. And then I looked at and my boss's desk was like a couple rows over from me. And she was like, Hey, can you stay and make a few extra calls? We're having something going on with mommy and me. I was like, sure. So I made my, whatever it was 10, 12, 12, 15 calls. And then she um, let me go for the day. And she was like, now go home and tell your girlfriend crazy stories about us. What an odd thing to say. So what was that sort of mommy and me damage control like that day? Like, what were those phone calls that you were making? It was basically, there was, a, you know, there were, you know, double charges. Um, let, let's go through your order and try to fix this. Um, do you still want the order? Do you want the additional order? Those kinds of things. And that's what we dealt with pretty much most of the launch days, if not all of them. I mean, from mommy and me to Disney to Halloween. Um, you named the launch, there was probably something wrong with it when it came to the ordering system. Yeah, that always was like really odd to me because you would think that after like one or two horrifically failed launches, a company that was actually serious about being serious <laughs> would fix it. Um, oh, yeah. it, it always felt like LuLaRoe just put a bandaid on it and said, oh, well, we'll work it out. We're just a baby company. Yeah. And that's what they said the first time, you know, the first one, fine, I'll give you that. The second one, I might give you that one. But by the third time, you've got we've got you gotta figure that we're dealing with gross incompetence of a on a 
pretty epic scale. Uh, gross incompetence or like just willful Downright intention. Theft. Willful yeah. intention, right? Like yeah, this well, is 20, obviously intended this way. Yeah, well, let's see. 20, what was I? 26 or 27 year old me at that point. I'd never held a corporate job in my life. I had worked in, re, you know, retail and golf courses. And it's like, I didn't know any better. I, I just assumed gross incompetence. Of course, 33-year-old me has a different view of the picture now. Do you feel like that was a pattern with a lot of the employees at LuLaRoe, that everybody was sort of younger and a little more naive to what was actually happening? I don't know how many of us could say this was our first corporate job. I can only speak for myself. But I think that's a safe argument to make that a lot of us were on the younger side, you know, 24, 25, 26, 27, um, probably didn't have a whole lot of experience in the corporate world. You know, we've been plucked from retail or, you know, grocery stores, big box retail, warehouse environments, and asked and expected to function in this office environment as if we had a clue of how the corporate world worked. The training at, you know, when I got hired was very, very minimal. When I left, they, there was more of a concerted effort to train people in the way things were done and get people up to speed on how LuLaRoe did things. And how, but that initial group, you know, Lachey, myself, um, all of us in that initial group that got hired in the beginning of 2016, we got thrown to the wolves, essentially. When things got when, when things started going sideways, we got thrown to the wolves. We had no training in how to, you know, how to deal with what we were dealing with. Um, I mean, I guess you could say it's a universal expectation that everybody knows how to go use Google Docs, but that's that, that's a part of the conversation for later. But um, yeah, we had no training in like payment processing or um, you know enrollment other than what they gave us. I mean, not, I. I I can't, I can't imagine too many of the group having corporate experience. Oh yeah. I mean, well, it makes sense and it's not surprising. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it's, it's not surprising at all. Um, I mean, considering, I mean, consider that for a minute that the family didn't have any experience in what they were doing. Uh, how were the people working under them supposed to have any experience in what they were doing? Well, you know, as consultants, we had no experience in what we were doing either. Definitely, definitely thrown to the wolves for sure. And I would say that nepotism absolutely runs rampant in that company. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the fact that a family member was in every single high important, high value position of leadership in that company from Michael Brady as the head of accounting to Justin as head of marketing communications, Mark and Deanne, um, Amelia, the whole deal. Yeah. Kenny, Jordan, all yeah. of them. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and you think about it. I mean, obviously you don't think about it at the time, but you know, what are we now four years removed from all of us leaving? You think to yourself, what did we do? What did we sign up for? And who were we actually representing for a year and a half? Was it the retailers like you and everybody else that's in the defectors group and every other retailer that is is or was out there? Or was it the greedy, um, greedy machinations of one family? And four years later, we've learned it's the latter, not the former. Right. 
Absolutely. Um, so what were your other responsibilities as a customer service rep and a data entry guy? What else did you do besides damage control on launch days? Uh, technical support for um, build and bless. Um, order uh, you, you pretty much name the email um, category. We pretty much handled it, except for like real high up stuff. Um, when damages would get backlogged, we helped them out with um, processing damages and approving credits. And uh, we dealt with consumer inquiries. You know, this retailer didn't send me what I ordered. This retailer was treating this retailer badly. When we got in, when you dealt with consumer inquiry stuff, it felt almost as if I was being paid 14, $13.50 an hour to be a glorified babysitter. And, I, and there would be days in the consumer inquiry box where I'd be like, really, I'm being paid to babysit two grown women. This is not what I want to want to spend the rest of my life doing. You're basically like a referee between like LuLaRoe rep drama. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, it, you would get the ones where it'd be like, this retailer didn't send me that, the, the, you know, what I ordered and you'd have to play referee between the consumer and the retailer, or you would get those ones where you'd have, you know, this retailer was speaking badly about so-and-so in a, um, in a live, or this retailer was reporting such and such for so-and-so for being on Periscope um, while driving. Um, Let's see. Wow. Or or the one where, um, I stumbled upon the one where somebody was reporting a retailer for being topless on a live. <laughs> this, that one was being dealt with at the art and Kenny level. So I very quickly, I, I looked at my boss and I was like, Lindsay, look at this. Do I really need to have this in my box? She was like, no, 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 no. Just d- delete it. It's being dealt with at the art and Kenny level. We don't need to have our hands in it literally every ticket in the company was funneled to one poor soul in accounting. Like my entire team just sat on their hands and knees because we didn't have any tickets in our boxes. Um, And when we got tickets in our boxes, they were funneled out. You could go to lunch. You could have like 75 tickets in your box to work on when you went to lunch. When you came back at 45 minutes later, those 75 were gone and either your box was empty or you had 40 or 50 new ones that you didn't have a clue what you were dealing with. Daryl, show some grace. There's still a baby company. <laughs> that, assume, they, assume innocence, Daryl. <laughs> oh, they ruined that phrase for me. They ruined, um, you know, when people ask you about what your why is, they ruined that phrase for me. Yeah, <laughs> the why. Okay, so this is what I wanted to ask you about Freshdesk. So on Freshdesk, when you would create a ticket, there used to be a drop-down menu of like, what's your issue? You could click it and it was a drop-down menu and you had to choose from like 20, 30 different things. <laughs> there were so many things to choose from. I specifically remember there being a drop-down item that said stinky leggings. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if there was an option in there for the menu. Um, honestly, we don't, we would ignore the drop-down menu. We just, our eyes just go to the body of the message. Um, well, that's good to know that it didn't even matter what I picked. (laughs) Well, somebody else in our department would deal with the, uh, stinky leggings, uh, moldy leggings, defective issues. Um, she, and she had a direct dealing with Patrick at the time. 
So, but yeah, like the Joe six pack folks on the email team, we really didn't deal with those. We, we, you know, we, your eyes just went straight to the body of the message. I so specifically remember there being one that said stinky leggings because I was like, oh my God, they know there's a problem. And I clicked it and I used it and I still couldn't get a refund. (laughs) That's just life with a startup. I mean, honestly, like with the number of tickets we had to, we were being asked to deal with, you really didn't have time to look at the, the, whatever was being selected, the dropdown. Um, your eyes literally just would drift to the body of the message and it's like, okay, how can I very quickly get this uh, resolved and taken care of? And so when they switched back to Help Scout, we were so happy. I mean, so happy that they finally switched us back to Help Scout. So let's talk about um, when the daily environment of LuLaRoe started to turn sour for you? Okay, so convention 2016, I mean, we, you know, you made it through. We, I mean, we're fine until that point. I'd say probably the beginning of 2017 as they started to roll out the, um, the new Bless stuff, the, the application, the, um, the new Bless app, all those things. That was when things started to go south. Um, just people didn't want to be there. They were starting to feel the pressure of everything that was going on at LuLaRoe. Um, you know, the bad launch days, the the long hours of being conventions and leaderships and all those things. And especially at my level, though, it was dealing with the new all the new blessed stuff and the new the retooling of audrey into what we now know as build and um those sorts of things i i think their attempt to retool things made it worse when they should have had it right from the beginning yeah and for those listening that were not involved in LuLaRoe and don't know what audrey build and bless are those were the the names of the back office applications that we would use to purchase inventory and send invoices and things like that. I mean, we're t- I'm, when I, oh goodness, within about a month or so of starting, there was, do you remember the week that Audrey was hacked and it was down for a week? Um, I, was that like during the time where people were switching? Because I might've already been switched by that point. No, this was, so this was the lead up. Oh God, this must have been March or April of 2016. It was the precursor to the uh, the onboarding Saturday, where we, we a bunch of us came in and did overtime, literally from 7 a.m. to 5 or 6, and we had to make about 500 700 calls on a Saturday to try to onboard folks because we lost time during the week. Okay, wait a second. I think I do remember something like this, but I don't know if I was told it was because Audrey was hacked. I think was, they told it, us that it was just Audrey's down, use Square or use PayPal. Yeah, it was that. It was what? that. Audrey, on the inside, yes, they told us Audrey was actually hacked by, you know, pirateers or whatever you want to call them. And so she was down for a week. My team basically sat on their hands and twiddled their thumbs for. 35 hours, 40 hours at $13 an hour. And we came in on a Saturday and we had to, all all the volunteers that came in on Saturday were given enrollment clearance to make uh, onboarding calls. 
this is the if you remember in the defectors group i mentioned i called the lady on her bachelorette party this was from that saturday oh my god yes okay 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 this is like all coming back to me now because i've really blogged out a lot of the stuff while being in but i do remember audrey being down and then i do remember later on people talking about some sort of a hack because people's information had been leaked Yep, this is and people's credit cards had been leaked. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had false charges. There was like some airplane tickets and like a a hotel in New York that was on my LuLaRoe only card. And I was like, what? No, I'm in California. Okay, all right, okay. Mm -hmm. This is all sort of coming back to me now. Oh my God. Oh my God. The word hacked was specifically uttered. I swear. I swear. Wow. God. (laughs) Mm. Yay, because of LuLaRoe. Yep. So uh, around that time, when all that stuff is happening, that's when you started to be like, this isn't a great place for me to be. Yeah, well, I mean, the Audrey hack, I'm like, okay, people have been hacking into the banking servers of major companies for as long as there's been computer technology. So, I mean, you can't, I mean, at the time, you know, like I said, 27 year old me thought you can't expect a startup that's been in business for barely what, two years at the time or something like that um, to have that right. But I mean, you would have expected they would have at least decent information security. Now, four years later, I'm thinking to myself, how incompetent could you possibly be to be let thousands of people's bank information yet get hacked? Or, and uh, cause us all this trouble. Yeah. Or like I said, intentional. Yeah. Possibly, I mean, like allegedly. I said, like I said, the only thing I remember from that week is the Saturday after the Saturday of over of uh, extra calls we had to make. And the lady I called in the middle of her bachelorette party. Wow. Yeah. So from that point on, every day was just like for you. Mm. Pretty much. I mean, you, get, you, you would have stretches of good followed by stretches of bad. Um, but when oh, we like, got to- Like the love bombing phase <laughs> and then the gaslighting phase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and then we got to January, 2017 and they started rolling out all the NMA stuff. That was when the, like the bottom fell out for me in terms of uh, job happiness. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna suck this up. Um, you know, like trying to find a new job at that point in time was going to be darn near impossible. So I was like, okay, I'll suck this up for a little while longer. And then when they got to buy back, I had reached the breaking point. So how long did you stay? Like, when did you end up leaving? What, what, at what point in 2017 did you leave? Uh, September, like mid September, just after um, the revisions to buy back were announced. And we, you know, we started getting the, um, the angry calls after angry calls. And at that point, August, September-ish, you could conceivably spend your entire day being yelled at by a retailer. No, I could no imagine. Joke. I could imagine, yeah. Between the, you know, the happiness, make good policies, the, um, the botched rollout of um, New Bless, and then um, everything having to do with the buyback, like I said, you could spend 
eight hours on the phone, conceivably being yelled at by everybody you came in, into contact with over the phone. And at that point, it was like, there was a call that just pushed me over the edge and I just went to the bathroom and I just cried for probably 15 minutes. Then I just walked out and walked down the stairs to the elevator and uh, went home and never came back. I left personal effects to my desk, mugs, pictures, supplies. Um, I just didn't care. At that point, I was like, to me. Did you ever go back for any of that stuff or is it all just gone? Nope. It's all in a landfill somewhere. Wow. In a corporate environment again until I got to where I am now. Um, so, I mean, for a solid year plus, I didn't work. I mean, I worked freelance. I officiated volleyball. I was a reporter. Um, just I had to stay out of the corporate settings for a little while just to regain my sanity and my trust in the chain of command. And when was it that you realized that LuLaRoe wasn't actually technically a corporate structure and that it was really just a pyramid scheme and a normal corporate structure is probably nothing like that at all? It was about the time I got into the defectors group. And then I started to realize everything out of our purview that was being said, you know, uh, Deanne telling you to go get a new husband and all those things. It was about that time that I realized this is not how a normal corporation acts, um, telling their representatives to go get new spouses, um, forcing you know people to back out on commitments they'd already made to out you know community organizations, um, stuff like that. Um, I mean, like, even them like telling Courtney when she should and shouldn't be intimate with her husband. Uh, that I don't even remember. I do not remember hearing that at all. Oh yeah. She was at like a dinner and Deanne and Mark said that they were not getting along. And so they needed to go up to their hotel room and Courtney needed to perform her wifely duties. And she would see them later when they were in a better mood. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That I, okay. That I remember now. I remember remember reading that now. You're right. Um, But yeah, it's like stuff like that. You're, you start to think to yourself, this, this is not a real corporation. And the way that the leads that upper management, um, Kenny and Mark, Justin, the way the sixth floor would act towards the fourth floor, I, I'd be like, this is not the way real upper management is supposed to act towards you know the, the peon customer service representatives that have to deal with the consequences of your decisions. I mean... I don't think Mark and Deanne had any clue how much heat that the ordinary retailer services representative was taking for happiness, for the botched roll of IBAC. I don't think that they realized how many, you know, how much heat that we actually took, or maybe they did and they just went up, took, took the elevator up to the sixth floor and didn't give two rips about us. Well, of course not, because those policies only did one thing, and it was cover LuLaRoe's ass. It didn't help anybody but LuLaRoe. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point for us, it's like you, you just you just survived. You literally, you lived to the next day. That was the only way you could survive in that place, was to live to the next day. So, um, you mentioned joining the defectors group. At the time, it was called LuLaRoe Defective. That was before 
the group got taken down and the new group is called defector support but i sort of i i sort of talk about it as if it is one just big one big group um so when was it that you ended up joining defectors goodness gracious um oh god it couldn't have been that long after leaving maybe a month or so i want to say it might not have even been a month i something showed up on my facebook feed and I, it was like LuLaRoe something i clicked on it and i was like okay this is where i want to be i have found my home i belong here so the fall yeah. of 2017 which Sounds is about right yeah which is like the same timeline for me i mean you and i were riding that same train we're in the same car on the same train um how did that group make you feel oh, boy um it made me very angry to know that that we were representing a company that was anti-family values um from like i said deanne telling you to go get a new husband to butting into courtney's marriage to any number of things that you can point to that they did wrong that are could very easily be considered anti-family values it it just made me very angry to know that I had represented those kinds of people that purported themselves to be one way, but in reality, were just 360 degrees the opposite of what they were advertising. Um, and I, it took me a while to just, I, honestly, I don't even know if I'm over it still, just because when you go in and you go to work somewhere, you put your name with that company on a resume. Like for, no matter where I go from this point forward in my career, I have the fact that I was at LuLaRoe as a customer service representative for a year and a half for that family will always be on my resume. And when I go back to try to apply for a big boy job again, whenever that, whenever God says that's time to happen, I have to, I'll have to explain what that was and what I did to a human resources representative. And then that HR person can very easily go and Google LuLaRoe and see all the negative connotations. Whereas in retail, they don't care. I mean, you're just a warm body. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to have any trouble. You've been you've been pretty outspoken. You've been pretty, um, pretty out there with us in that group, talking about your experiences, sharing your story. Um, I remember when we were filming the vice documentary and i was working with the producers of vice they reached out to me and they said hey who else do you know that's willing to speak and i remember reaching out to you and saying daryl i got a thing i got a thing you got to do it and you had to work and we couldn't make it work and we just could we were not in corona on the same day and it was really unfortunate and we ended up talking to lachey instead um but i was always like man daryl needs to daryl needs to have his like moment in the spotlight so um so when this opportunity that we're about to talk about came out, I was like, you have to talk to Daryl. <laughs> Daryl needs to tell his story. So um, by now everybody knows Daryl and I are in a documentary uh, about LuLaRoe, a docuseries. It's called Lula Rich. Um, I hopefully you guys are watching it and hopefully that's why you found us and you're listening now. But Daryl, let's talk a little bit about that experience because I know for me, it was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. Um, and I want to hear what it was like for you. Yeah, definitely one of the the cooler opportunities I've 
been a part of. I mean, I've gotten to do some pretty cool things in my various careers. I was a CIF finals volleyball line judge in 2016 before LuLaRoe forced me out. Um, I was, I was one of the, the only local media member, actually I am the only local media member to cover our local LPJ Symmetra tour event in Beaumont. I was the only local media member to fly to Las Vegas for the uh, Women's Western Athletic Conference uh, basketball tournament this last year. Um, I've gotten to do some pretty cool things, but being in Lula Rich and working with the producers and with all of you, you guys um, is probably among the top part of that list. Um, I mean, go to Los Angeles, um, film in a professional setting with you know pros that actually know what they're doing, not people that try to try to, I guess you could say, fake their way through an episode. Um, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I'm a media member myself. I know how hard it is to film and produce and do all this stuff. Um, that's why I became a writer. But um, yeah, no, no. That was definitely one of the cooler opportunities I've had, had in my time. So um, you, you, you said you went to Los Angeles. So did, did you, what happened? They came to my house, so I didn't get to experience okay. this. So tell me about that. So they rented an office building somewhere in downtown Los Angeles. Um, I had to take, what did I take? I think two days off work for that. And actually I had to take two COVID tests in a period of 36 hours. Um, and that the second test was a, a zoo to get set up. They had to have a lady come out from the Coachella Valley to my house in Menifee and then you know do the test, drive it to the lab in El Monte and then she had to come back home. So she did that on, oh God, I wanna say it was a Thursday. It's either a Thursday or Friday. And then I got a message, hey, you gotta do a second one. I was like, oh, all right, I, I, I was not happy having to do the first one to be honest with you. And so they went to legal and they're like, yeah, no, you still gotta do it. All that being said. It's like, I had to right. take three. <laughs> I had to take you were filming at home. Yes. I had to take two nasals and I had to do a blood one too. Mm, I think I just did two nasals. Um, it was but cool second, though. It was interesting. Yeah. It was a very interesting experience, like having having the nurse come out and do that. So yeah. The second one, I guess what had happened was her family was in an accident, was in a car accident the day we were supposed to do it the first time. So I guess her husband and her kids were in an accident, so she couldn't come out on the Friday. Um, so they, they had to hastily put it together for a Saturday morning. Yeah, she, she drove out on a rainy Saturday morning, literally walked 20 feet from where she parked to the, the porch of my place at the time, did the test, hopped in the car, went to El Monte, dropped off the test, came back home, they had to expedite the processing of the second test so I could get cleared in time to film on the Sunday. And they cleared me in time for Sunday morning. I went out there, spent half a day with them. Yeah, it was about one or two o'clock when they let me go. I was so proud of my negative test. I put it on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't go anywhere. I, I don't do I anything. But... Mine, yeah. Well, I mean, where could you go in California at that point anyway? I mean, I had, I had my two, my two results are saved in an email somewhere. Yeah. And we filmed, I filmed, I think like the day or two after you, 
um, because they were in LA and then they drove down to San Diego. Um, but that was, that was right after the election. So it was like early November. Yeah. Yeah. It was like right around veterans day, if memory serves. Yeah. I do remember that. It was really neat. It was a fun experience. What was your favorite part of the whole experience? Mm, don't know that I really had a favorite part of the whole deal. I, I think it was just nice to give the home office perspective to what actually was going on um, as a result of Mark and Deanne's decisions, whether it was, you know, make good and happiness being implemented or buyback or um, the fiascos when it came to both conventions, um, leadership. Um, it, it, I, for me, I think maybe it was just the idea that the home office perspective was not heard in a lot of the coverage and content of what was being told about LuLaRoe and giving those of us who actually had to live it in that office a chance to share their story. You know, my favorite part about sharing my story and hearing your story and, and sharing all of these stories, these LuLaRoe stories, is how many people come out of the woodwork. Like I see it on TikTok all the time when I make LuLaRoe story TikToks, they come out of the woodwork and they say, this is 100% true. I was in this, I experienced this. Thank you for telling the truth and thank you for telling people our story because this 100% happened. And it, it makes me feel so good. And it makes me feel so validated because sometimes I'm worried, like people must think I'm making things up because the story is so crazy, but you know, you talk to people like you and you're like, nope, that's, that's, uh, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, um, you ask any one of us, I mean, we're, we're, our careers are probably no longer the same. Some of us haven't been able to find another adult job, um, like myself. And so I'm, here I am, I'm 33 years old and I'm back in retail again, working with a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds and seeing myself at their age again and thinking to myself, trying to give as much career advice as I can to them. And all the meanwhile, trying to you know stay and as long as I can, because I'm at a point in my career where I can't really bounce, even if I wanted to. I'm like, I mean, somebody would look at that and say, oh, look, he's just a job hopper. The longest position he's had is for a year and a half. Well, I think, you know, it's possible. You've seen documentaries where people tell their stories and miraculous things happen uh, because of the people that watch the documentaries. So who knows? Someone may watch Lula Rich and hear your story and think, I'll give you a shot. So, oh, hey, I, mean, I think that's awesome. Not to say I'm like not happy for right now being in retail and, you know, being that career life advice trying to soundboard thing but it's like you you know there's a point where that says you know you're 33 years old you need to be working in an office in a desk not in a re retail in a sales environment for 10 hours a day ah <laughs> uh, don't listen to society those societal norms they just mess up our heads you are exactly where you need to be and i think big things are going to come for you i i just, oh, yeah. i think so i have to keep telling myself that as and like I, I say it every now and again in the group, it's like the reason I go to work in the morning is to know that we're one day closer to justice coming for Mark and Deanne, whether it's the repo men going to home office and repossessing everything or 
the day that the My Dyer jury comes back with a verdict of you owe My Dyer $65 million, um, I, I, I just, I, I say no matter how bad it gets, okay, we're one day closer to one of those things happening. Every single day, we are one day closer to having justice for the consultants, the IFRs, the home office employees, the customers, every single person that believed in this company, every single person that um, promoted this company, every single person that stood up and said, you know, I am LuLaRoe and I represent this company and this company has changed my life. This company has given me everything. Like, because I was that I was that person. I stood up and said, "Oh my God, my life has changed because of Lularoe." And I mean, ironically, it absolutely has changed because of Lularoe for the better, you know. But it took like four and a half years for that to happen. Yeah, and you want to talk about the negative? It's the families that were just, that Mark and Deanne destroyed for their greed. The relationships that Mark and Deanne destroyed for their greed. Even in the home office, those of us like that, like I, people I worked with when I left, don't even say two words to me anymore on Facebook. I mean, there are folks that like, I'll try to, you know, one of them had a baby recently and I, by recently, I mean, what, eight months ago, nine months ago. And, you know, I was like, congratulations. And if you look at, you know, her, her message box on my DMs is just nothing but blue check marks and red, but, um, you know, no responses. Like, you know, ever since it's almost as if they said, oh, look, you're like the plague. Don't talk to that person. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely what happens because when I left um, and everybody started excommunicating me and harassing me and blocking me, um, that's when I started reaching out to like other leaders. And I was like, what's going on? And started talking to Courtney. That's when I first met Courtney. And she said, oh, 100%. DM tells us to block you. Every time any leader ever left LuLaRoe, it would come from Deanne. Don't, don't talk to that person anymore. They're, they're negative. They don't, they don't really believe in LuLaRoe. You should just probably remove them from your life. Just block them. And so Courtney told me that Deanne like fully just does that. And at that point, I knew that there was nothing that I could have ever done to convince those people that I wasn't the problem, that these people are stuck in a cult. And they believe what the cult leader tells them. And they believe every single lie that these people are telling them. And I knew that until those people left the cult themselves, I would probably never talk to them again. And unfortunately, that has been the case. And it has been true. I hate being right about that kind of stuff, but I've been spot on. Um, and there were a couple of people that ended up leaving who reached out to me and said, I'm so sorry. Can we be friends again? And I was like, absolutely. And we're friends yeah. again. And it's totally great. And that's kind of the, what I've taken to other my, you know, in retail, you see people come and go all the time. But the people that I've gotten close to over the years, I've tried to take the attitude of, even if you leave, I will be your biggest fan. I'm not a manager. I'm just a you know, part-timer, just like you are. But whenever you leave, I will be your biggest fan. I will be there cheering you when I see something good. I will be there for you if something falls apart. And I'm going through this right now with somebody that's getting ready to move up north who shall remain nameless. But I, I'm just telling you the same thing. Um, look, I, I will be your biggest fan. I will check in on you from time to time. If you need someone to talk to, work, school, idiot guys, 
um, I will I, I will be there. Um, and that's kind of the attitude I was hoping for when I left from those that were staying in. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way in, in the world of MLM home office uh, support. Over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the flow knit high rise boyfriend jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard-approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect, effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report, and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet. And they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. National Voter Registration Day is kind of a big deal. It's a yearly, nonpartisan holiday celebrating our democracy, and it's all about getting as many people as possible to, that's right, register to vote. So why is that important right now? Well, sure, local and state elections may not get as much attention as the midterms or the presidential elections, but there's still a super important way for you to use your voice to make an impact and help shape the future of your community. And one of the best parts Registering to vote is really easy thanks to organizations like Headcount. 
Get registered there in minutes, and you won't have to worry about registration deadlines in your state. And then you'll be ready to participate in all of your upcoming local, state, and federal elections. That really is a big deal. Head to headcount.org forward slash Spotify now to register. That's headcount.org forward slash Spotify. See at the polls. Right. You know, this behavior, and we see it across the board. I I see it from so many different companies. I hear about it from reps from so many different companies and different MLMs. This behavior doesn't happen anywhere else. It doesn't happen in traditional retail. It's not, it's, it's not happening anywhere else. When you leave, you're excommunicated. It doesn't happen anywhere else, but multi-level marketing and cults and maybe religion. Those are really the only places and those are sort of all kind of intertwined with each other anyway. So not surprising that there's a connection there. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, look, it's just a workplace, but when you open a store with somebody, when you're in that environment, when you're in the, the, the heat of the battle day after day with somebody, you, you get to know them and you, you have to kind of become, especially as the older person in the group, that person that that shoulder shoulder that that cheerleader that supporter so that no matter where they go it's like okay look i have somebody in my corner whether i'm still in this you know at home or whether i'm halfway across the country and that's the attitude i've tried to take but it's not the attitude that was reciprocated when i guess all of us left the row um and that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And hopefully this docu-series will help to show what it was like to not only work in that environment, but the aftermath of being in that environment, even if it was just for a short period of time. Now, like Roberta, you and I, we were on, on the inside for probably the longer periods of time, like not you know excluding like mentors or higher ups in account at home office like uh the family but i mean there's folks that have were in LuLaRoe for barely 90 days i'm sure you could probably say the same thing happened to oh absolutely i've talked to them yeah and, and so it doesn't matter how long you were in being in with that kind of crowd had some effect on you psychologically physically emotionally um relationship wise relationships for me from people I worked with and to to where we are now okay so there's one other thing that I want to talk to you about before we do our little five questions at the end and that is 2017 convention you want to go 17 or 16 which is the bigger shit show I feel like 17 was a bigger one wasn't it Mm, from the home office perspective I mean you could make the case that either one was an equally bigger shit show. I mean, 17, we had the Anaheim police called because um, of the fights in the Lula shop. Oh, yeah, the Lula the, the fiasco at the oh beach. Oh, my God. Yes. There were, okay, so for people that don't know, there were fist fights in the LuLaRoe swag shop at convention. There was also like a four-hour wait to get in. It was insanity. I didn't go in. Yep. I have no idea what happened other than like these <laughs> counts and the sh- and the cops showing up. But there were fist fights over leggings, fist fights yep. with I remember, women. I remember being there on, it was the second morning. I was one of the ask me people that was, you know, floating around the floor with the, the ask me signs. 
And they were like, did you know anything about what color groups from yesterday get to go into the swag shop at what time? And we were not told a thing about it. Nobody from home office told us anything. No, nobody from the outside company that they were using to help operate it was told anything. And we were like, no, I'm sorry. Let me go upstairs and see if I can get you an answer. Um, but yeah, that was the first I heard of the, the we'll just say a veritable shit show that happened in the uh, Lula shop. Um, and then, yeah. And then the fiasco at the beach where they ran out of food. Um, I, hey, I said this before. To be fair, I did get a, a sugar-free red twin pop and a warm coconut buy. Okay. Let's be fair here. <laughs> but I mean, in the middle of that whole fiasco, one of our home office representatives got spit on by a retailer in the middle of that whole food scenario. What? Oh, I mentioned this in the OG uh, defective group before uh, it got zucked. But no, this happened. Um, a retailer services representative got spit on by a retail. I, I heard about this in the, okay, so in the convention center, you know, that floor where Mark and Deanne and the family were staying above everybody else? Our, you know, like our cafeteria, break room, yada, yada, was like two doors over. So, you know, you, you sit with enough people, you hear, you hear these sorts of things. And I, all I could say was, I hope that person got reported to compliance. Honestly, I didn't think, judging from the amount of consumer inquiries about bad behaving retailers, I don't think compliance did a lot. No, probably not. I mean, if you made LuLaRoe enough money, you could pretty much get away with murder. Oh, yeah. And you know what the sad thing is? I actually applied to be a part of compliance on multiple occasions. And uh, when I left, that team was all women. And I think today it still is all run by all women. I was trying to be the guy that broke the glass ceiling in compliance. <laughs> That's odd that it's all women in compliance. Hmm. Or at least it was when I left. I wonder if there's a reason for that or if it's just coincidence. Eh, I tend to think there might've been a reason for it, but I mean, who knows? Um, I guess we could hit on convention 16 and let the uh, listener decide what was the bigger shit show. Yeah. Tell me, tell me some, uh, the highlights of 2016. Okay. Convention 16. I was in the, I was assigned to the swag shop in the, in the tent, um, with all the merchandise. I was a cashier and they had us ironically enough running transactions on square when they were telling you all to use your Audrey app. Um, but remember how hot it was out there? In the parking oh lot. my god yes i remember being under the misters in that like tent waiting hours to get into that swag shop it was even worse in the swag shop because that tent was canvas so it trapped everything it trapped you know the heat when it got to 100 and whatever it was four or five degrees outside and it trapped the cold when it was 60 55 or 60 in the morning i tell you i've i've spent a lot of my adult life working I don't remember ever coming home from work and taking a cold shower on full cold three days in a row. I took, took a shower on full cold three days in a row after convention that year. I remember there were people passing out in yep. the parking lot and yep. there was like EMTs there. And then they had like some ice cream truck come by and they were giving us like free ice cream to cool us off. Yep. They had um, the, 
was it oh god i want to say it was like mid-afternoon of the first day when the first retailers first few retailers passed out they had um ontario fire and paramedics and private paramedics with them the rest of the time the remaining two and a half days just because it was so hot and um for those of us inside the tent like i said it, that tent trapped everything they had a big old uh floor-sized cooler of a uh, you know, Gatorades and Sierra Mists and waters for us by the cash registers. They would fill that thing back up and then bring it in. And that thing would barely last an hour and a half. A full cooler of beverages. And at like at the end of the day, um, you know, we'd literally, some of us were so tired, we'd sit on the, we had to get picked up. Like literally there would be two people having to pick me up off the ground because my legs were so tired but yeah um let's see there was the great carly incident of 2016 where um i'm sure you probably saw this the, the people throwing carly's back at the retailer support staff um, um the print or the pattern or the size they wanted yes i do remember they launched the carly at 2016 convention and they were like it was a very oprah and you're all getting one and you're getting a carly and you're getting a carly and they were like just simply line up as you exit to receive your carly it was a total shit show it's a bunch of consultants like crawling over each other trying to get a free dress and yeah like people chucking things that's not my size that's not the print i wanted it was it was it was a nightmare Oh yeah. And then let's see what else from 16. The loading of the buses was a little bit fiasco-y, but yeah, just everything about every single company function that I worked was just, it had one fiasco after another. Um, they could never execute an event pop properly. They could never execute a launch properly. I mean, the biggest launch fiasco to me was Disney. I don't know about you, Roberta, but that's how I feel from the home office perspective, that Disney was probably their biggest launch fiasco. I remember Disney being a fiasco. Yeah, absolutely. And I was at California Adventure when they launched. I remember that whole thing. Yeah, so for us, they told us on a, it was like a Thursday morning that it was being rolled out. My boss was actually out of town watching her daughter at a softball tournament. And so whoever was leading our team at the time, you know, quickly shot her a text message was like, hey, look, they're rolling out Disney. Obviously, there's nothing she could do about it from the softball field, but you never saw so many, like, this is literally what all of us did. Just smacking yourself in the face with your hand. <laughs> in practical unison. Um, and sure enough, we came back Monday morning, that group that came in first at like that first group of uh, retailer services people that came in, double charges, triple charges all over the board. And it took us probably three to four days to clean that whole deal up with no assistance from Michael Brady whatsoever. I mean, it happens so often. You have to think it's intentional. Oh, yeah. Now I, 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 now I seriously think it's intentional. And it's like, and now, what's the point? What's the point of doing all these extra charges? Are they hoping people just be like, eh, just keep it and send me another yeah. order? Exactly. Um, but it got to the point where like we were getting no help from accounting. So I had a girl on my team that whose husband worked in accounting. Michael Brady threatened him with disciplinary action for helping us. Why? Because he would look at it and see how big of a scam it obviously was. 
for for expediting that retailer's refund, Michael Brady threatened him with disciplinary action. That's all all I remember. I don't remember like the reasoning. Or I just remember her saying, look, uh, blank is being threatened by Michael Brady. We can't ask him for help anymore. Wow. So Michael Brady, if you happen to see this Lula Rich documentary, 95% of my misery at Lula Row was because of you. It would be so great if Michael Brady listened to this podcast. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he listened to the LuLaRoe episodes at all, but it would be, I don't know. I think it would just be like sprinkles on top of the cherry, on top of the hot fudge, on top of it all. Oh, yeah. And of course, he, he'd probably call and say, I want to defend myself. I, uh, I mean, he would never. He would never come on the podcast. I would, I would love it, but nobody will return my calls. <laughs> Hell will freeze over before any of them. Mark, Deanne, Justin, Amelia, Michael Brady, Kenny, Jordan, hell will freeze over before any of them come on a podcast. Yeah, one that's not specifically pro LuLaRoe, absolutely. Yeah, no, you'll, you'll never see any of them, no matter how bad it gets. Um, my dyer could return a verdict of $100 million with damages that LuLaRoe owes. And security will push Mark and Deanne past the, the herd of reporters that are gathered at the courthouse. Um, you know, you'll never see them give a soundbite to an anti-LuLaRoe media outlet. I mean, that interview they did with CBS in 2017, they probably paid the CBS reporter off, would be my guess. I do remember that. Um, and I, Yeah, I don't know. That was a, a fluff piece extraordinaire. I'll link that in the show notes so people can um, watch that. But that was a, a fluff piece if I've ever seen it. Yes. If I've ever so, seen it. Yeah. So when I got into journalism myself, I now, albeit I just cover sports, but I promised myself, look, I'm going to tell the hard news and I'm not going to, I'm going to tell it like it is. If I have to tell, you know, if my career comes down to writing fluff pieces, I just sooner than not, not have a career in journalism. And so, like, I'm dealing with that right now with um, a golf course and a dispute with a high school team that jacked their fees up to the point where it's unaffordable for them to play there anymore. So they had to go find another course. Shady, shady. Okay. So at the end of my podcast, when we wrap these little conversations up, I like to ask these questions. I call them rapid fire. But since I'm doing this series, and I'm not sure what to call it, I'm kind of thinking we should call it Lula Bitch because it's we're bitching about the stuff in Lula Rich. So maybe I'll call it Lula Bitch. Who knows? <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's the after show. It's called Lula Bitch. Um, yeah. So I do these rapid fire questions regularly and they're more MLM specific and not LuLaRoe specific. So I just wrote new ones that are almost the same, but it's got a LuLaRoe vein. Are you All ready? Right. All right. One word that encompasses how you feel about LuLaRoe. Angry. One warning. Any warning to anybody who maybe is thinking about joining LuLaRoe? Don't. You will very quickly come to regret it. Whether it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 120 days down the road, or whenever the whenever my dire the whole my dire deal resolves itself and they no longer exist yeah <laughs> what is your worst memory of being with LuLaRoe worst memory problem 
definitely the day I left. Just, I've never. You have to know your limits. So I'm glad that you did. And I'm glad that you got out of there. Hardest lesson that you learned while being in LuLaRoe or with LuLaRoe. Something my dad said to me about um, one day you're going to have to make a choice between your side jobs and your full-time job. And that came to fruition when LuLaRoe made me give up officiating high school volleyball and I was a rising star in the area. Um, I mean, I wasn't great, mind you, but I was, you know, I was good enough to get um, junior college assignments every now and again as a referee. Um, I was good enough to do the CIF finals as a line judge. And then two months later, LuLaRoe was making me get out and it, it very quickly reminded me of what my dad said about you're going to have to make a choice between your adult job and the job that you want to do. And soon enough, he was right. I'm so sorry that LuLaRoe like basically gave you that ultimatum and that you had to choose the evil over the joy. Yeah. And so like, that's not to say that I'm not to say that I'm miserable in retail, but the reason I work retail is to do what I love. And part of what I learned in LuLaRoe was sometimes you have to do the thing you don't enjoy to do the thing you want to do. Um, LuLaRoe was the thing I didn't enjoy. Officiating was what I love to do. And for a while they made it work until they gave me that ultimatum. And I chose LuLaRoe and I keep telling my dad, look, I chose wrong. And he was like, no, at the time you were right. Cause they, you were full time and everything else, but being right doesn't necessarily mean being Oh. new phone i'm still learning this thing but yeah Oh, sorry. Um, I'm talking to you when I'm on mute. Hi. <laughs> I do it all the time. Um, okay. So the last thing I heard you say was sort of muffled, but it was like, be uh, something about being right or being happy. If you could just yeah. say that again, unmuffled, that'd be perfect. Okay. It was like, uh, being right doesn't, and being happy aren't necessarily going to be one in the same thing. Um, is kind of what I, I took away from Lula Rowe is no matter what my dad told me about being, you know, you made the right decision for your career. I I'm not going to be happy knowing that I contributed to God knows how many bankruptcies being filed. God knows how many marriages ending as a result of LuLaRoe. God knows how many careers um, ended, went backwards, had adverse effects because of LuLaRoe. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to be happy knowing what I know, but by the same token, I'm glad I know what I know because I now know the truth about the Stidhams. And yeah. I think that's, that's got to be the same for all of us is obviously I wish I did, you, you wish you didn't know what you know about LuLaRoe and about that family, but knowing what you know when justice is served one way or another, it's going to make that moment that much sweeter. And it's going to make whenever we all get to gather on the balcony at that McGill's right there by home office, cranberry juice and vodka in hand, <laughs> um, that much sweeter. As long as I get my jalapeno white cheese dip, I don't even care. 
we'll have to make sure Miguel's has it. <laughs> um, I'm, I completely agree with you. And I want you to know, and I know you know, but you, you probably need to tell you this, yourself this every day. What happened in LuLaRoe wasn't your fault. Oh yeah, no, they're, they're, <laughs> I say it. You can say it and you can say it, but you still, you still have the knowledge of what you were a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think that you stepping up and speaking out and the impact that this documentary is going to have, you're going to start to feel it. You really are. Um, I felt the same way. And I will tell you that after the Vice documentary came out and people started reaching out to me saying, thank you for validating me and my feelings. That's when I started realizing, okay, I'm now turning it around and I'm actually doing good now. Like I'm exposing this company and it's erasing all of my bad karma with this company. So I hope that you also get to experience that because it's incredibly helpful in the transformation of moving through this disaster and coming out the other side as an advocate and um, learning to forgive yourself for trusting the wrong people. Like I'm at the point now you know, being almost four years removed from the whole deal where I forgive myself for associating with them, but I don't forgive myself for, like I said, knowing, like, you know, representing a family that just conned you and just realized it's like, like at that point, none of us had any idea that we were representing con artists basically. But like I said, I'm at the point where I, okay, I accept Mark and Deanne for who they are. Do I like them? No. If I saw Mark in the courtroom at the at a Mike Dyer hearing or at some other hearing, would I give him a piece of my mind? And would the bailiff likely have to restrain me? Very likely, yes. <laughs> I'd uh, be in the I, audience being like, boo, Mark, boo. <laughs> but, but I've accomplished too much professionally in the three and four years since then to actually do those things. Those are just things you dream about at night when you're lying in bed and having nothing better to do. <laughs> I will tell you that I did sort of get to do that um, when I did the deposition against them last fall. I think it was last fall. Um, and it was really, really nice to be able to stand up for myself and answer their lawyer's questions and be sassy and spicy and be like, next question. <laughs> it felt really good. Um, yeah. So my last question, which we kind of already touched on a little bit, but we're just, we're just going to go a little bit deeper. I love to end these with a positive takeaway. I know LuLaRoe is a complete dumpster fire, but I know that you can dig down deep and you can find at least one positive takeaway from your time in LuLaRoe. I'll talk that I worked with that haven't shown me. Okay. There's, you know, that's a positive, but no, the depth. The definite positive was the, the opportunity to get into another field, being sports journalism and feeling like I've actually excelled and accomplished something. Yeah. And, you know, I would also say that being able to share your story and help others, that's, like, that's a pretty good positive takeaway too. Definitely. I mean, if, if all of us sharing our stories saves a marriage, saves saves a family from having to go through the, the, you know, the, the heartbreak and agony of 
being on lives and not being able to sell one measly uh, piece at whatever their mat value is, um, if it saves a mom from having to neglect her two-year-old so she can hop on a launch and only to have the items in her cart and have it pulled out, if we can save people from that experience, the whole deal was worth it. As we've gone through this whole thing, and I read the stories in the defectors group of you know, moms on, on multiple devices trying to snag product and shooing their kids away, sending their kids to go stay with grandma for a weekend so she can uh, package orders um, and get them out to customers. Reading those stories and realizing I was a part of that was, was you know, was heartbreaking. And if we can save a family from being a part of that, if we can save a marriage from falling apart because of the arguments over money, then I think we've done our jobs. I totally agree with you. I, I think that's, that's probably my favorite part too, is like knowing that speaking out will and could change somebody's life. You know, we're already doing that. It's already happening. We're already saving people. Um, and I think that now it's just going to be exponential. Oh yeah. And, and just imagine what I want to see are, and there's probably no real legitimate way to verify this, is how many people, how many retailers leave LuLaRoe in the aftermath of the documentary in, you know, that 30, 60, you know, 30 days after the documentary is out, 60 days, 90 days, in, in the fiscal quarter after this documentary comes out, whenever that happens to be, how many retailers do they lose? A, B, do they get retailers to replace them? And C, how bad is the, the PR damage gonna be for LuLaRoe? Well, one, I think we're gonna see uh, maybe a spike in the views on these Lula Bitch episodes. Um, yeah. Two, you know, I'm, an, I'm a moderator in Defectors, so I'm sure we're gonna see a spike in people joining the group. Um, there's always a spike of people that are curious, but I think it's gonna be more of a spike of people that are retailers who are like, I'm finally joining this group. They always told me not to join because I just watched your guys' movie um, and um, it's everything I've always felt. Uh, so I know that's gonna happen as well. Um, and I, I just think like, you know, there's, it's, it's an avalanche, it's an avalanche. And it's not just LuLaRoe, it's all MLM, but we're starting with LuLaRoe and, you know, it's, it, I don't even know, it's, it's, it's humongous. Absolutely. And it is absolutely humongous. And it's something that, that we just, like I say all the time, um, I mean, I made a comment that any lawyer that represents Mark and Deanne should be disbarred. Um, and I've, I, I'll, I'll say it on the record. I feel like any lawyer that would stick up for Mark and Deanne in a court of law should be disbarred. You took an oath to be an officer of the court. It's, we have the evidence that Mark has lied in depositions. And yet you choose to defend that man. You took an oath to be an ethical officer of the court. And an officer of the court does not allow his client to lie. So that's how I feel about any, the lawyers that represent Mark and Deanne. Will it ever happen? Will a state bar ever disbar somebody for representing a client? No, because a client is entitled to the, uh, a zealous defense under the law, and I get that. But 
as somebody who has lived in that world, they, that lawyer, any lawyer representing them, Bill especially, you deserve disbarment by the state of California. You want to know the weirdest thing that I experienced when I met Bill virtually? He is the nicest guy when he's not defending LuLaRoe. It's almost like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like I he could, was, I could not get a read on his personality when I uh, um, tried to uh, interview for compliance. I could not get a read on him to save my life. He is very by the book. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. He, he, but he was nice. Like in during our recesses and stuff, he was asking me about where I lived and the weather and how everything was. And he was talking about how his daughter-in-law was making dinner that night. So he really wanted to wrap it up so he could get home early. And he knew everybody wanted to get home early too. And it was just like very, very nice and very cordial and very friendly. And then like, you know, then the court reporter's like, okay, we're recording. And he's like, okay, Miss Blevins. And I was just like, dang, I thought we were friends. We were just talking about dinner. <laughs> it was just like wow I mean I get it you know but I was just like and I even like said that to the other lawyers I was like he's so nice but he's not you know defending these scammers it's like a completely different person hmm. I never knew that about him yeah it was the it was my one weird like hmm I didn't expect that moment <laughs> But who knows? Maybe it was all a show. Maybe it was all a show for the courts. And I don't know how he acts outside of the I don't know. But when he wasn't being lawyer Bill, yeah. he was actually a nice guy that yeah. I experienced. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, spent, I barely spent five minutes with the guy, but I mean, I couldn't get enough of a read of, on him. And the five, like the five minutes was like during a Disney seminar before it started. Where, yeah. where they were telling us the rules of trying to sell Disney and how we were to support to enforce them as a as a retailer services representatives. Yeah, it's all ridiculous. Jesus. I mean, literally, we could talk about LuLaRoe for hours and hours and hours and days upon days. Like, there's just there's so many stories, you know. That's why they had to do a docu series because there was just so much. <laughs> oh yeah, and I even told them I was like, guys, look, um, look at this belly. Look at the fact that sounds MLM like an MLM, but okay, spent what seven hours on them and barely scratched the surface. You've got enough here to do probably eight, 10 episodes if you really want to go at it that way. So oh, I'm kind of curious to see what the final product ends up being. Yeah, me too. I'm super curious. Well, thank you so much for spending your Friday evening with me and talking about our time in LuLaRoe. Um, and I also want to thank you for being so candid and for um, doing Lula Rich because I knew that your voice needed to be heard. And I really was like, you have to talk to Daryl. You have to talk to Daryl. <laughs> so I'm glad that you were able to connect. And I was glad that, you know, your story was, was able to be told. Um, and so I just wanted to say, thank you. It, it was really fun, like being a consultant with them and trying to get as many people to be a part of it as possible. So Again, thank you so much for, for coming on this journey with us and, and being a part of it. Oh, it's like I said, it, the, this side of things, just because you never know what the effect of being in a place like that has on a career until you are pr pretty far removed from it. Like, I, I think four years out is a pretty good place to judge the effect it, it's had on a career. And 
I've gotten opportunities because of having been there. I mean, okay, it was a bad place, grant you, but I've gotten opportunities from it that I don't think I would have gotten otherwise. I feel the exact same way. Like there's times where I'm like, God damn, I can't believe I was with LuLaRoe. And then I'm like, wow, Roberta, you have two documentaries. Like you have a podcast, you're educating people, like you're teaching strangers, like people message me every day saying, I'm so glad I found you. I'm so glad you educated me. I left my MLM today. Every single day I get messages like that. That's got to be the best part of the whole deal. (laughs) I'm just like, yes, another brick in the wall. (laughs) Now, once we find that support beam that brings the Lula empire down, that'll be the day we're celebrating. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like Lula Rich is, is going to knock a big hole in that load-bearing wall. But who knows? Oh, yeah, it, it's got to. And then my dire will be the final straw. I just... Assuming they settle up. Do you think they'll settle that out of court? Or do you think we're going to end, end up having to go uh, into court and support my dire? <laughs> God, I would love to see a trial. I would love to see them on trial. I would love it so much. Like, it would be so good. Like, I might get a hotel room and go and stay up there and go to some of the trial days, like the court dates, because, oh my God, how amazing would that be? And what great content too, right? (laughs) Like like I'm reporting here outside of the courtroom. (laughs) But do a follow-up when they get, when, when it goes to trial. Oh man. But you know, I, I was really surprised that LuLaRoe wanted to go to trial. I think Bill likes to threaten and hope that people will back down because he thinks that he can intimidate people and be like, I'm a big guy. Um, but the problem is when David goes up against Goliath is like, David, we got the facts. We got the evidence. We have the testimonies. We have corroboration. We have evidence. We have literal evidence. It doesn't matter what lies you tell us. When we have the evidence that contradicts and proves all of it wrong, like you can't, you cannot defeat the truth. Yeah. And their time is up. They shouldn't have messed with any of us. Yep. And like I said, my time, my joy in all of this will be, if there is a trial, will be Mark and Deanne crying, hopefully federal bailiffs taking them into custody, but I know that's a stretch, but. Um, at least Mark and Deanne crying as they walk out of the courtroom. I want to see them liquidate everything they have to pay their bills because they screwed so many. I just karma. Like I fully believe in karma and that the universe will take care of it. And oh yeah, I think this is the universe knocking. Oh, it has to be. It has to be. It's just a matter of when. And folks like us coming forward and telling stories, folks like everybody you're going to talk to for this uh, this project, um, which will come out when the documentary goes live um, or the docu series goes live, we're all part of the little the little Jenga pieces being taken out of the middle of the the Jenga stacks, one by one, and then eventually there's going to be one that makes it topple, whether it's Mike Dyer or the amount of retailers that leave after watching Lula Rich, we won't know, but it's going to happen. We have to believe that. Especially with the fact that convention was at a hotel or in a hotel ballroom this year. I know, right? Did you see that pathetic science fair bullshit of a showroom they had this year? It's like, (laughs) how the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Yeah. 
Absolutely. That, that, that right there tells me we are that much closer to winning than we ever were before. They have made their bed. And here's mm-hmm. another thing. I asked Jordan once, uh, my ex-husband and I, we were at a LuLaRoe thing and he was like, oh, man, they're so busy. Like, you know, how do they get all this done? Like, how is there any time to sleep? And we were just like, man, Jordan, you guys are just go, go, go. Like, how do you sleep at night? And I know like, you know, we weren't like, you're a horrible person. How do you sleep at night? But still, I feel like the answer would be the same. He looked at us and he goes, I got a Tempur-Pedic. I sleep solid. Uh -uh. I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) I'm like, wow. All right. I got a Tempur-Pedic while my my company is paying Katy Perry and Kelly Clarkson $1.6 billion to perform a convention. Don't forget Andy Grammer and Ziggy Marley too. Mm. That's got to be about what, 2.5 million in total? Yeah. I mean, they paid a lot of money for a lot of floof to make it look legitimate when it was really just a gigantic scam. I mean, you, you talk about, you talk about the people asking you when you were like a, an ask me person asking them, where's the swag shop? Where's the line? When do I get to shop in it? Where do I put my money when I get in there? It's not, hi, I was looking for hall number four because I really want to know about building my business. It was, it was, where can I buy more stuff? Mm -hmm. It was, it's all, it always was a scam. Becca says it all the time. It was always a scam. It was a scam from the inception and everybody fell for it. Hook, line and sinker. We were so blind and naive. We just thought these were such good people. We did not notice that the emperor was butt naked Mm -hmm. until, until until the end, you know, Years years later. They shouldn't have messed with us. That's all I got to say. And that's what this is going to be about. It's going to be about a group of us that realized, you know, realized that, you know, three, four years down the road, five years, we were being messed with by a family of people that honestly, legitimately didn't deserve to own their own business. I mean, I suppose we all could have looked at Mark's tax records and realized he had lean after lean after lean, but I mean, their entire, they're a family of grifters. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, no, an, an, an entire family of grifters, con artists, swindlers, scammers. And what, what saddens me is that they introduced kids into this world that might follow in those footsteps. Like, like so many of them, so many children mm-hmm. in that family who are being raised with the ideas and the thoughts of these swindlers. I really hope that the Stidham and the Brady children, like the grandchildren, grow up and watch this documentary and realize what clowns their families are and do better. Yeah, that, that's the same thing for me. Thank you so much. Have a good one, Roberta. You too, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Please don't forget to like and subscribe and share with all of your anti-MLM friends as well. See you next time.